Okay guys, this is the big one, Personal Finance 101. So this has been requested by quite a few people and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to give you an absolute brain dump and give you the full Monty about this. I've just come in my front door and my porch is just littered. I don't understand how private companies feel like they can just litter your own house. It's crazy. So I think I'm going to get a basket for my letterbox that um, just goes straight into a fire or something. Anyway, Personal Finance 101, if you're watching live, post any questions in the comments. I'm going to be covering the following. So we have um, basically what are the main principles of managing your finances, how to increase your income, how to become financially independent, what are the various currencies that you need to be aware of, it's not just money, uh, what not to do, what are some side hustles that you can do, how to increase your income, how to reduce your expenses, how to start trading, how to start investing, and some further reading, as well as building up your own business. So quite a lot to get through. Anything that comes up, let me know, and we will dive in further. Okay, so the first thing is the principle. Now, I have a picture of a plane here, because unfortunately, especially when we are just tuning in to starting to care about this kind of thing, we are subject to financial gravity. What that means is that the world almost feels like it's um, conspiring to pull us back down, to pull us into debt, and it's partly our own doings, partly the, 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 the international debt narrative that we have to fall into and that we all, all the Kool-Aid that we drink about that, and also a series of the decisions that we make, even if they're just slightly off. Unfortunately, if you start on the wrong foot, you will set things on a wildly different trajectory to what you aimed to do. So, some principles. There are several ways to make money, and the way to become financially independent and to overcome this financial gravity is, number one, start by selling your time for money. Number two, spend less than you earn, and then invest your savings so that eventually it grows without your active intervention. Little picture of a seedling here because you plant the seed and over time, even if it doesn't seem like it is going to be doing much for now, over time it will start to grow and eventually outpace your existing salary, which is often a point that people never get to. They end up working completely to the, um, like from paycheck to paycheck and completely relying on their salary as their only source of income. And then if they lose their job, they are fully fucked. Now, an interesting fact for you that I only found out recently, that the word mortgage translates in French to death grip. Quite scary. So I'll discuss why it is indeed a death grip and what we can do about that as well. Now, when you are investing your savings, you can do this from two methods. Either build something like a business that provides value to the economy, and then you capture some of that value, or you lend your money to someone else who will build value and then they pay you back for the privilege of lending them that money. All okay so far. Now, gravity, this is what we were saying. This is the force that keeps us down, keeps us in debt, or just keeps us living paycheck to paycheck. And the goal is to achieve takeoff. That is when your monthly recurring passive revenue, passive income overtakes your expenses and then you are a free agent. You can then choose to work or choose not to work, but you do it out of pleasure rather than out of necessity. So that's where this comes in, and that's where 
if you only get stuck in step one and you're only selling your time for money, you're going to be doing that for the rest of your life. And then if you stop, if you if you give up uh, selling your time or if you can't give any more time, then you can't increase your money and you're stuck in that process. So what we want to do is get to step two, where the time that you do work is being put into a separate savings account. And then that is either used to build a business or it's used to lend to other people who build a business and pay you for that. So how do we figure this out? How do we get started? Well, Johnny has made this beautiful spreadsheet called the Freedom Calculator, and it's about figuring out your freedom number. If you're watching this, you are in the private group, so I'm going to send you this for free. Um, it's normally a, a product that we sell um, to people, but uh, it's a very simple spreadsheet. Just fill in your monthly expenses and it'll figure out what it is that your freedom number is. And this is in relation to our propane business arm, so people who uh, want to start coaching online. But this very much works with any other form of client as well, and I will get to specifics in a second, second too. Now, the cash flow quadrant. This is an idea from Robert Kiyosaki, and it really helped to clarify things in my mind. And it, it seems so simple now, but from reading the book at the time, it was a real game changer. Now, this kind of covers what I said about selling your time for money versus lending your, lending your money and producing um, income that is independent of how much your time is committed. So, usually we're in the top left of this quadrant. We are in the employee stage. So, this is where you have a job no leverage and let's say um, 5% wealth. So the average amount of work determines how much income you get. And if you work more days, you get more income. You could also be self-employed. Again, there's no leverage here. Um, and this is what most of the population do. Um, and again, the amount of active work that you do determines your income. So let's say you are a freelance designer or you are a carpenter or whatever it is, you're paid in relation to the jobs that you do. If you're a business owner and you set up your business right, then your income starts to become leveraged because you're selling products that aren't related to how much you are spending, how much time you're spending making them. So if you're a watchmaker and you're making the watches all yourself, then really you're self-employed. You're not a business owner. But if you start hiring people to make the watches and you're the one managing it, then you can start hiring more and more people and then suddenly your output can increase beyond the physical amount of total time that you have. So that's B in the quadrant. And then finally is investor. This is where your money works for you and you have, again, leverage from this passive income. Now, you're not necessarily only one of these things. You might even be all four if you're watching this. But the point is that eventually you want to get to the point where there's no longer time creating money. You want there to be money creating money or people creating money, if that makes sense. And the ultimate goal is that the money that is being produced from each of these four quadrants overtakes your total liabilities, your total monthly expenses. Now, I'm going to define asset and liability because it's something that um, people so often get wrong. And we need to be quite clear about this. An asset is something that appreciates in value. So you buy it and then it goes up in value and you can sell it for a higher value than it was. Or it's something that produces renewable monthly payments to you. So an example of an asset might be um, a 
piece of art that in 10 years time it goes up in value or a collector's item um, or in terms of something that produces monthly payments it could be a buy to let mortgage or a corporate bond or something like that that every month it produce it kicks out a payment to you and then you can sell it off for either the same price that you bought it at or more so some examples here yeah equities and stocks assuming they're going up they are assets um, bonds are also like that and same with rental property too a liability is the opposite it's something that depreciates so once you buy it it drops in value and uh, or it's something that costs you monthly and this is usually what a lot of people have and sometimes the common outlook is to think that our assets are actually sorry our liabilities are actually assets but in truth they're not many people consider their house or their car or even the cash in their bank to be assets a guarantee all three of those are liabilities a car if you bought it outright whether you bought it straight from the dealership um, in which case it drops about 70% of its value or something straight away as soon as you drive it off the off the forecourt that's a liability if you bought it on finance and you pay monthly payments for it it's still a liability even if it's covered in terms of um, getting things fixed at the mechanic under the insurance or whatever because it, it's costing you monthly a house is the same thing You've bought the house and it is costing you in interest and mortgage uh, and repayment every month. So it's really only an asset if it goes up in value beyond the amount that you've paid in total interest. And that's always something that people ignore because they think that um, the interest doesn't count almost. Now, owning a house is not an asset unless it is paying you money. So... As I said here, most people consider their car or their house an asset. This is totally wrong and is not the way to look at things if you are looking to become financially independent. And the goal is for your assets to eventually cover your liabilities. So for, let's say, your bonds, your equities, your stocks, your business, to start covering the monthly payments that cost you about your house, your car, your children even. Unfortunately, children are liabilities unless they um, provide slave labor for you. So... How is that sounding so far? I have a lingering paranoia that the sound isn't working, so I'm just gonna quickly check the page. It's probably fine, but you never wanna be caught out by the odd one where you're just talking to a camera for an hour in silence, and it's the most painful thing to do. The sound, the sound isn't, isn't working. working. So Excellent. I'm just gonna quickly so check, check that is working. Right. So we've covered the principles now. Here is the four types of currencies. And I, I found this post from James Clear the other day. I thought it was quite um, quite nice that there are four types of wealth, financial, social, time, and physical. So money, status, freedom, and health. And James warns to be aware or wary of jobs that lure you in with financial wealth or social wealth, so status and money, but rob you of time wealth and physical wealth. Now, unfortunately, I am training to be a doctor. That very much gives you um, one and two, but completely depletes you of three and four if you're not careful. And so I'm having to make um, certain, put certain defenses in place to stop that from happening myself. Um, I'm in the position now where I'm too far into my training than out, but um, this is always something that no matter your career, no matter your job, you can do things freelance or you can do things to bump up the other currencies. And it's really you're limited by the one that you are most poor in. 
So you could be an investment banker working in London 80 hour weeks and really high status. You're in some, uh, you're driving a Lambo and you are earning three, four hundred K a year with a million pound bonus. Um, you're a senior manager, all this stuff, but you're stressed out of your mind. You're overweight because you haven't got time to go to the gym and you just eat um, takeaways all the time because there's, there's no time to cook or and you're overstressed, you're nailing the cocaine, and you have no time, you're barely sleeping. Is that rich? Is that wealth? Yeah, you've got financial wealth, you've got a lot of money in the bank, or, and you're driving a Lambo, and you've got the status, but really, it doesn't lead to a happy life. And so that person is totally bottlenecked by the time wealth and the physical wealth. So time. I really think time is the most important one, and it, that's why it goes on top here. You need to value your time. Learn to batch process things. Learn to say no, especially to commitments that don't provide you any value and, and really any kind of invite to a social occasion where people aren't going to notice if you're not there. If you don't fancy going, don't just go out of politeness. Learn to say no. Same with people trying to pile projects onto you. This goes for work or home. Often people will just try and like lump things onto you, uh, whether or not it's actually your job to do it. And our default state, especially if you're British and compliant, is to just be like, oh yeah, okay, and then you end up overloaded. So learning to say no is one of the hardest things, and it's something that I really struggle with myself. Disabling voicemail, this is huge, and it's something that I have done recently, and it's been such a relief. For about a year, <laughs> I had a voicemail that people would take the piss out of me for, which was... I do not take calls during office hours. Please send me an email or a text message with a summary of your request. Now, people ignored that. People constantly ignored it. They left a long message asking me to call them back. And I'm like, oh, I haven't got time to call you back. So I realized, actually, you know what? You can just disable voicemail and then you don't have any problems. And now if someone really wants to get in touch with you, they'll email, they'll text you. Very rarely does um, missing a call result in you missing out on some big uh, opportunity, some, you know, you're not missing out on, on a, a job or cash or anything, unless you're waiting for, you know, a job interview, um, to call you back, something like that, then obviously that's when you want to answer your phone. But otherwise be so precious over your time and over who can contact you. So this also goes for people saying, Hey, I'd like to pick your brains on something. No, if there's not a clear agenda to the meeting, ignore. And I know this sounds really brutal, really ruthless, but um, if you start accepting this stuff, especially as you start to become more and more in demand, if you start building a business, people are going to be wanting to pick your brains all the time. As you've probably seen from my profile picture, my profile um, bio, I've got do not PM me with diet or training questions. Again, it's ignored quite a lot, but the number of private messages that I get from people who are not paying clients asking about diet and training is ridiculous. And it's not fair on paying clients for me to even respond to them. But also it's just a poor use of my time because those people who are asking you for free advice don't respect your time. So you need to respect your time yourself. Consider what is your hourly rate? Never work below your pay grade. So if your time is worth £10 an hour, if there is something that you need to do, but it could be done for £5 an hour, outsource it. So consider outsource, eliminate or um, automate. So things like, in fact, I'm going to move that image to the next one so that it makes more sense. Things like standing orders. So any kind of bills that go out frequently, don't be doing that manually. Any invoices, 
that's just more time that you're spending logging into the bank and faffing around with transfers. Even doing your drying, hanging up your washing on the on the dryer. Is that how you want to spend your life? Buy a washer dryer. I got one for £130 and it does both. Set it in once, all sorted. Get a slow cooker. You put the food in, you minimise the time you spend cooking. I've got we've got a few um resources on this, including one on meal prep, which I will post here. Nope, that's the wrong article. Here. Cleaning. So if it's cheaper for you to just get a cleaner, then get that instead of spending your time doing that because you could be creating value elsewhere and making up the difference. Also things like web design or um, anything like that that's kind of technical and you don't have a competency in, if it's cheaper for you to just outsource, don't try and do it in-house. Your time is better spent elsewhere. Convert purchases into time. This one is pretty scary, hence all of the, the screams. Um, if you have... So, right, th this was from, this is an example of someone that I read a while ago, and it's saying, let's say your salary is £30,000 per year. Let's work this out together. So we have 30000 a year, divide by 12, that's 2500 per month. Okay, 30k a year, 2500 per month, minus tax, let's say 1500 per month. Uh, so, minus tax and student loans, 1500 per month. How many hours are you contracted to work? 40 hours. But how many hours do you really work? 50 hours. Because you, you come in a bit early, you stay a bit late. Now, how long does it take you to commute in the mornings? 30 minutes. Okay, 30 minutes times 2, because you're going there and back, times 5, you've got 60 times 5, 300 minutes, that's 5 hours extra, 55 hours is your total work day. So that's the true number of hours. Then what? So we're working 55 hours a week for 1500 a month. 1500 divided by 4.5, 333 pounds per week. And that means divide by 55 equals six pounds per hour. That is pretty bad. Now, the, the, it gets worse, unfortunately, because if you're spending £333 a week, but annually you have to spend on work clothes and cost of commuting, so work-related costs, let's say you spend £400 on work clothes, and then you also spend £2,000 a year on the commute. That's £2,400. And that comes out of your taxed income. So really, this amount of 1500 a month is now, um, so 2400 divided by 12, 200, so now you're actually only getting 1300 a month. So this suddenly drops to 1300 divided by 4.5, 288 per week. Divide that by 55, you're getting £5.20 per hour. It's pretty upsetting. So you're, you've got a 30 grand salary and you're earning £5.20 per hour in terms of your true 
um, your true salary after work-related expenses and all of that stuff. Now, let's say you want to go and buy a Starbucks and a biscotti. How much is that? Seven pounds? Okay, so seven pounds divided by five pound 20, you're now paying one hour, 1 1.3 hours, which is 1.3 times, what, 1.34 times 60, that's 80 minutes of work to get a Starbucks and a biscotti. It's not worth it. So when you start charting things out, little purchases into the amount of time that it takes to earn those things, it really, really isn't worthwhile. So consider your expenses that don't provide a return on your life very carefully. <clears throat> so that's just something that when I saw that, I was like, oh, fuck, like this is a really painful situation. Now, the final thing, we're talking of automation and um, uh, outsourcing. This is a framework from Ramit Sethi, and it just talks about how to automate things in your finances so you're not having to worry about this stuff. You set it up once, it'll take you an hour, and then it's all sorted. Salary comes into your account, automatically set a direct debit on payday, so you don't even feel it, there's no sting, that it goes out into various saving accounts. Obviously this is American, so they've got Roth IRA and 401k and all that nonsense, but um, the same thing goes, and then you can have separate pots that go towards, say, a wedding or a down payment on a house or any of those kind of things. Then, out of the remainder, you have credit card bills and guilt-free spending and miscellaneous bills that can't be done in a standing order format. But the majority should go out straight away. So your regular bills and then... Um, so all of that stuff, set it up so that on payday it all just goes out your account and then anything you have remaining is your free, guilt-free spending money. Okay. Time, still on time, so you have some dead time available. Um, make sure that you spend it correctly. Now, we often not only use our dead time badly, but we even waste time that could be spent in a better way. And thankfully, Apple have now launched this, which is the Screen Time app. This allows you to look at how much time you're spending every week, every day on your phone, and also um, to set limits. So you can set up your environment to provoke growth. And I've set a five minute limit on WhatsApp, Instagram, Snapchat, all of that stuff. And if you see here, if I go into my phone, all of these are blocked out because you're not able to um, access them during the day. I have a one hour window where I'm able to access apps like that that don't provide a return apart from the ones on the front screen because they are useful so bmj um pocket podcasts evernote they're all productive apps but then if i go all the way to the end i have this folder this oh bollocks it's hard to do this backwards um <laughs> i have this folder you'll see it's titled cunt times 10. that is to remind me that when i'm opening that folder I'm being a dick. So, um, and they're all blocked out as well. So it just creates the hurdles to do the things that make you procrastinate. And when you do that and you have this reminder of like, oh, what am I doing? Often that is enough to just be like, you know what? I'm dropping my phone because this isn't worth it. Now, making yourself available. A phone is obviously a contact device. And as Anton Creel says, 
making yourself available 24 hours says, hey, I'm available for free and you can waste my time whenever you want. And I value my time at zero. So the options really that you really can do are either get rid of your phone entirely, the nuclear option, which I would love to do. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be uh, possible, but just because I rely on sat nav and um, podcasts and that kind of thing, maybe you start, maybe you're hearing that and you're thinking, Yusuf, that sounds like a bit of an excuse to me. Like, yeah, it is an excuse. Um, if you have a better strength of resolve, then maybe you can get one of these Nokia 3310, something that only does SMS and calls and it would free up a hell of a lot of time. Anton said that he used to do this and would only store 50 numbers in his phone, 50 numbers. And then if you met someone, he'd be like, Hey, um, I'm afraid I've got a full phone book, 50 people. Do you think you are stronger than the last person in my phone book? If so, then I'll delete them and put you in. But otherwise, no. And he said a lot of people would be like, Oh, actually, no, I'm probably not. And that would be it. The other option, and this is what a few of my clients do, is to delete social media apps on your phone and then check once a week on your desktop. I don't have Facebook on my phone. Unfortunately, I have Instagram and WhatsApp, which um, you could argue are necessary for running business and so on. But these apps are inherently addictive and they're designed to suck you in. So the best way is just to completely get rid of them and just do all of your processing once a week on social media really consider this stuff because, or just trial it for a week and you'll see how much time you've freed up and how immensely productive you become. The other thing you can do with your phone is turn it from a time-wasting device into a time-saving device. So audiobooks, Audible and also YouTube MP3 downloader, and you can move them into book player. So the YouTube MP3 downloader looks like this. and um, you just paste a link from YouTube and it'll download as an MP3 in your iTunes. You can then put that on your phone and then Book Player is a fantastic app for iPhone. I think there will be an equivalent for Android. So here it is, if it'll load. No, it's taking its time, but that will allow you to listen to any of these MP3s in a kind of library format. Here we are on your phone while doing the commute or anything like that. So it's absolutely fantastic. You can also um, have a part-time work arrangement. So this is freeing up your time. If you feel like you are time poor but money rich, work for cash flow. You know, minimize the number of days a week that you're doing. I'm sure you can. With a lot of jobs, you can negotiate a four-day work week or a three-day work week. Work for cash flow, support your daily expenses, and then use those free days either to enjoy your life or to create more return on your time through building a business, through doing the other stuff that I cover in a second. So next, currency, money. And that's the, what we're discussing in this whole presentation. There is also freedom. Now remember, the goal isn't to become rich and rammed. As I said before, if you're sat in traffic on the way to your 100k a year job, then that's not really a net win. You want to have freedom of time, freedom of location. And so to do that, renting somewhere rather than buying, if you don't want to be tied to that location, developing an international skill, something like um, electrician, carpentry, plumbing, any of those things that you can just do wherever. Same with um, 
you know, I guess management consultancy, if you can do it in a different job or professional uh, tasks as well, being a physiotherapist or whatever, if they, if you can get a license to practice everywhere, then that's going to be, um, it's going to give you freedom of location and learning a language is key as well if you want to start doing that. But if you're listening to this, you are an English speaker. We're quite fortunate in that now everyone speaks English and so we don't need as much to learn other languages but it's it certainly puts you a cut above the rest and learning something like uh, like mandarin as i've put here is uh, is like next level stuff freedom from bosses so if you want to be free from a asshole boss work freelance if you can't work freelance you don't have a skill that you can there are several low-hanging fruit skills that you can do freelance writing editing uh, design work coaching any of those things and i'm going to cover them in a second finally juju mufu You'll have seen this guy on Instagram probably. He is a acrobat bodybuilder guy and he pursues his passions because initially, I mean, now he's rich enough to, to do whatever because of his exposure, but initially he just worked a easy office job that was low pressure, easy hours, flexible, and it allowed him time to build a side business and cover his expenses without taking up so much of his headspace and without stressing him out. So if you've got the self-motivation to do something outside of your your job, then make your job as easy as possible so that you're not having to contend with being wrecked when you come home. Finally, health. And I think health and time are the biggest wealths. I'm not going to go into that today because obviously this is what the rest of our program is all about. But those are the main currencies. And I hope that's even just in itself created a shift in seeing these quite clearly for themselves. Now, what not to do? These are some really common mistakes that people do and it's painful because it just fucks you up financially. Keeping up with the Joneses. So trying to keep your outgoings up just to maintain the approval or the pretense of being someone who is a big spender. And this could be signaling, it could be um, trying to live in a, a place or decorate your house in a way that matches with social expectations or to impress the neighbors or whatever it is. And if it's beyond your means, all you're doing is digging the hole further and further. And these things, as we've seen from the, your true salary really isn't as high as it, as it seems. And so just don't be fooled by, uh, oh, it's only this much or it's only this much because um, these things add up and they take more time of working to make back up again than it's than than you initially think another one is three percent pay rise great i'm going to start like ramping up my expenses by ten percent and it's really really common as well that someone will get a pay rise see dollar signs and they won't think about actually what is the material impact of this on my life three percent half of that's going to be taxed and then the remainder is going to be so minimal that trying to get a new car on finance as well paying interest for that getting a payday loan or upgrading your furniture with such a small pay rise is suicide. You're just going to end up more and more in debt. And speaking of debt, we have the Kool-Aid of the debt market narrative. So this is the idea that, and the, the whole um, push from banks to sell you mortgages. You notice how easy it is to get a mortgage. I was in the bank today and they're offering 5% mortgages now on a so deposit of 5%. And I don't know what the interest rate is there but they're always pushing for personal loans, payday loans um, with a, of interest rates of you know, 150% and, and so on. Um, and 
all of all this does is dig you deeper and deeper and get you stuck in this cycle. Watch out for phone inclusive contracts and insurance monthly payments. Both of these are also tricks that when they say, hey, do you want to pay your insurance annual in one annual sum for the year or do you want to pay it monthly? And the monthly payment is just slightly more than the annual payment. And that's because what you're doing is you're not paying monthly, you're paying annually, but you're taking out a high interest loan that's repaid monthly. So again, that's that's interest ultimately that you're ending up paying. Same with phone inclusive contracts. If you ever look at these these like deals of, oh, it's only 65 pounds a month for an iPhone 16 and uh, 100 gigabytes of data and all that. And you're like, cool. If you just multiply that out over the two year period or whatever, figure out how much it is in total and think, actually, if I just send some money aside into one of my pots that I don't touch as soon as payday loan, as soon as payday comes in, not loan, payday, um, then I'll be able to buy the phone outright and get a better contract and save 600 pounds over two years like it's a significant amount of money and remember 600 pounds divided by five pound 30 per hour that's 113 hours of work outsourcing your pension another thing that isn't what not to do um, often people don't even know what their pension is in they don't know what it's invested in and most of the time they are mandated for long only what that means is that the pension provider can only buy into the market and they can't sell. And so if the market goes down, you are at the mercy of the market crash and the traders, the, the hedge fund managers, they're making money off your loss. So insource your pension, learn, educate yourself financially and give yourself the confidence to manage your pension yourself. Most companies give you the option to do that privately. If not, set up your own private pension as well and just make that your personal project and I guarantee I guarantee you will produce a better return on that than whatever your employer is offering um, if you do the if you follow the uh, the instructions below about investing huge fees as well for pensions often any kind of mutual fund has entry fees exit fees uh, profit based fees annual fees and uh, financial advisor fees as well so it's like Obviously, that not only erodes the profits that you could have made, but it completely, it basically means you could be losing money in real terms. Something I need to mention as well is that holding cash, um, so like, oh, there we go, we've got it below, never mind, I'll get to that in a second. Um, so holding cash as a cash ISA, for example, don't be a dickhead. Cash every year will decline in um, real terms even if it stays the same in nominal terms or it goes up in nominal terms. And that is because inflation, let's say inflation is at 2% per year. If your money goes up by less than 2%, you are losing money. So even if you gain 1%, you put £100 into a savings account and in a year it's worth £101, you've lost money. You've lost £2, uh, one, £1, for example. So cash ISAs very often produce such terrible returns that it doesn't even cover inflation. Don't be a dickhead. Premium bonds also don't be a dickhead. These are an investment vehicle that are so common and it's it appeals to people's lottery mindset. The fact that if you um, put money in, you might win a thousand pounds or ten thousand pounds because they have the occasional ticket that makes a big win. 
And what they do really cleverly, and they know that people are addicted to random rewards, this is shown repeatedly in the data, that if they send you £25 every so often, just as a little teaser, then you'll be like, oh, maybe there's a chance of winning bigger as well. And so people stay in it. And if you calculate your expected value, expected return from premium bonds, you will probably lose money if, uh, or you'll make a, a return that is inflation or less. Government bonds, similar thing, really shit returns, just don't be a dickhead. Uh, alcohol and smoking, again, a huge cost, especially if you're buying alcohol at a bar. Um, if you want to be really frugal, do the Menno Henselman's approach, which is uh, if you want to get uh, as drunk, you, you want to drink alcohol and minimize the impact on your physique and your finances, then uh, you need to front load the alcohol on an empty stomach and have as much uh, drunkenness as you can attain from the minimum alcohol input. So just do that. <laughs> Binge drink at 7pm before you go out um, on an empty stomach and then you'll be smashed <laughs> and then you'll be sober by the time you get home. Maybe don't do that actually. Probably quite bad health advice. But um, smoking is a huge one and it, because it's such a small transaction at the point of purchase, people don't realise that they may be spending £600 a month on smoking if they're a heavy smoker. That would get you a another house, or you'd certainly upgrade your living standard significantly with an extra £600 a, a month. Um, and as I mentioned as well, the Starbucks and the Biscotti, this is killer. So don't do it. Okay, any questions so far? No. Fine. The irony is I'm doing this at 3pm and uh, most people are at work, but if you're watching the recording of this, post in the comments below and I'll get back to you or I'll do a module two on this. So we've talked about what not to do and talked about the principles and the currencies involved in personal finance. Now let's talk about income before we go into side hustles. So as I said, the, the goal of your income is to support your day-to-day -day lifestyle. Any other money that's coming in wants to go into a savings account that you can start to build up so that eventually you overcome that financial gravity and you're no longer reliant on working or selling your time for money. So initially you will have to do this unless you inherit a large amount or unless you really strike it lucky with, with business early on. So salary is exchanging your time for money. What can you do to increase your salary? Well, number one, negotiate a raise. And don't just go into your boss's room and be like, hey, I want to be paid more money. Think, how can you add more value to your boss? Think in their, t in their perspective, how can you make your boss look good? And what can you offer them that is worth more money, worth more of a, um, a salary payment for them to pay you? And this is something that I think a lot of people don't consider that it can be done or that it think that salaries are non-negotiable. And in some companies, they are non-negotiable. But um, the data shows that men often... Uh, push for pay rises more frequently than women do. And so part of that explains the pay gap. And so if you're a woman and you feel like you deserve a higher salary, go in, chat with your boss, try and push for a pay rise. Exclusivity contract. So does your job have an exclusivity contract? That means are you allowed to um, trade in or sell anything that relates to the expertise that you've gained from your job outside of working hours? If you, so like, if you are an architect for a company, are you allowed to do freelance work outside of working hours? Some companies will say you're not, some will say you are. So 
that gives rise to freelancing or consulting. And those are both quite lucrative ways that you can earn some cash on the side. Interest, another form of income. So this can be done from peer-to-peer -peer lending, things like Funding Circle or government bonds, which I have written that about, uh, and corporate bonds as well, which are slightly better. You'll also get income from dividends or capital gains if you sell your assets. Uh, I sold an old rice cooker yesterday for £27. Um, so Facebook Marketplace, um, funnily enough, like these things add up if you've got a load of junk that you want to sell, do a big sale off and you can um, make some, maybe not capital gains, but you'll certainly recover some of your cost from the uh, the liabilities or assets that you've bought. Royalties. So sale or license of a creative product. And one way to do this is books, obviously, but also media. So if you are into music, if you're a music producer, if you are a singer, anything like that, you can make money on royalties from music or jingles. And it's easy money and there's a lot of uh, a lot of companies, small, medium and large, that are looking for that kind of thing and will pay you a recurring percentage based on that. I know a few people that have done this and um, it can work pretty well, especially if you strike it big. Rental income and business income as well, and we're going to cover those in a second. So that's income. Next we have side hustle. Now... This is another way to boost your income, and this comes outside of your salary. And if you build up a side hustle in the right way from the start, it won't end up being a way of selling time for money. It can eventually become selling other people's time for money and leveraging money to make money. So online, first thing you can do is sell your expertise. This is the way that um, this is what we did when we started off and doesn't require any initial setup or a factory or anything like that. So you can sell information products. People don't pay for information though, they pay for implementation. So giving them something which they can actually action straight away. You can sell guides, books, video courses or coaching. Now when you're doing this, obviously you'll need to give something for free to get people on board credibility and to understand that you are offering something of value. So Information products, although it sounds like an easy option, you do need a big backlog of free content for people to, to to win people's trust, essentially. Next, we have drop shipping. So this is where you sell someone someone else's product um, and a fulfillment house deals with all of the postage and all of that. So... This is where, for example, you would find a company that sells, that manufactures t-shirts in bulk. You are then the front end and you sell that to people as a middleman. When, when the orders come in, you automatically process them to the manufacturer and they post it out to the customer. And there's many ways that you can do that, many types of products that you can sell. It's something that um, I've never, well, I, I mean, we, we do it with t-shirts, but I don't, I, I haven't done it as a profit-making thing, the way we sell t-shirts, they, yes, they are drop-shipped, but they're, they're actually loss-making for us, but we just want um, clients to get t-shirts and whoever whoever buys one, it's free advertising for us. But there is some, there are some things that you can do to make drop-shipping profitable, which I will cover later. Freelance design. So we talked about this. Fiverr.com is a great resource for this. So um, you can go on there and have a look at some opportunities that you can look out for um, 
doing freelance work in general. Coaching we covered, music production, editing, writing, all of that stuff is covered in Fiverr.com. So actually, that can all be there. Offline, so if you are not an online savvy person, making art or crafts, Etsy.com is the place to do it. I know a few people that make money from this. Personal training, you can make up to £100 an hour or more um, doing personal training. It's not it's not for me, but certainly if you're interested in training and you have the credibility or you have um, a local access of people that you can train outdoors or indoors, then it's a great option. Beauty therapy or massage, often you can train and get a qualification for around £800, which again means 800 divided by say 40 uh, pounds an hour means you get 20 hours until you break even with your return for that and then also things like Deliveroo so if you ride a bicycle spending too long just trying to get a picture of a bike there there we go then you can do that too remember to consider your tax location for the side hustle as well um, especially for online businesses, you could incorporate them in a company, in a country that is much lower tax and not have to get screwed over with um, taxes in your home country if they are expensive. Okay, I realize that this is pretty dense, guys, and we're about two thirds of the way through, 45 minutes in. So um, I hope that you can at least pause this and have a think if, uh, if there's anything that is coming up so far. Now, we talked about income, we haven't talked about outgoings. So outgoings, first thing is you need a budget, Y-N-A-B. This is an app which um, I don't use personally, I use something else called Cashculator, um, but you need a budget and Cashculator are very similar. This will allow you to set hard limits on different categories of spending each month and there are ways to even automate this with a with a banking app that I'll cover cover in a second too but this will help you to get a clear visual overview of where your money is going every month and often it surprises you I thought I was spending too much on eating out every month turns out it's not really a big expense for me other things are that I didn't think were and, and so things do um, when you see the numbers things clarify quite a lot Calculator I quite like because it gives you a month-to-month -month gauge of whether your income or your expenses are um, higher or lower than each other. This isn't my finances, but um, this at least gives you like a, I think the purple is expense, green is income. So you can see this guy's had a few months where expenses were higher and then one month or two where it's slightly below. Um, so that gives you a nice clear overview of whether you are um, how how hard you're fighting against that financial gravity. Emergency fund. This is really important. Make sure you have or you build up an emergency fund of six months of expenses before you start directing savings into other forms. So three thousand to six thousand pounds is approximately is like the average person's monthly expense for six months. And if you have that in either a separate bank account or um, a savings account, that gives you at least a sense of buffer reduce the anxiety from running close against the, the line. Rank the importance of the outgoings that you have. Which one is the highest interest? So we wanna have really credit card on the top. These are typically 20%. Student loan, these can be three to 9% depending on when you graduated. Mine is 
nine percent, which is fucking ridiculous. Um, but actually, we don't want to be paying off student loan because it acts more like a tax. Um, and I would even suggest just paying the minimum on your student loan forever. There's no point paying it off in bulk because um, you're never going to be culpable for the full amount. Um, unless you're earning a large large enough amount on your salary for it to um, not really matter either way. Mortgages, typically 2 to 4%, so we want to be um, looking at them next. Furniture, quite often they're 0% finance, but if they are something like 5%, then they would go above mortgages. Car, similar thing, so you want to basically rank things by order of how high the interest is and just pay them off as aggressively as you can. Find an accountant. So um, this will massively help with your tax efficiency. As for financial advisor, I wouldn't actually recommend one. Just follow the advice here and that's everything that you need to know. So tips. Speaking of which, the accountant is something that I remember people, I remember hearing people say like, oh no, I'm not going to get an accountant because that costs money. You're like, well, yeah, but it's not for fun. Like they will save you money in the long run. Now, Tips for recurring expenses. Every month or every six months, do a monthly bills review. If you have an overwhelming amount of monthly bills going out, you don't know where to start, go nuclear. Cancel all of your standing orders and let them come back to you. Sometimes this can backfire because they might charge you an overage fee or a non-payment fee and it could affect your credit rating, but sometimes you'll find that some of them don't come back to you. And then you've saved on a bunch of stuff that you didn't know you were paying for. Slow cooker. So if you get a slow cooker, um, it will significantly reduce your food bill and just make some really nice food that's constantly hot and always ready for you. I am a evangelist for slow cookers. Bulk meal prep. Another thing that um, you can work this in with the meal prep article here. And also negotiate your expenses. So go on confused.com, look at your annual um, insurance, your, your credit cards, your um, bank charges, any of those, any of those kind of things. And they are often like so travel insurance, car insurance, home insurance, any of those um, run through compare the market or confused.com. Make sure you do that every year. You don't get rewarded for loyalty with insurance companies. So sometimes staying with them actually costs you more than if you just hop around. So the solution is be a slut. <clears throat> Annual card fees. Again, these are negotiable. Same with the overdraft limit. Speak to the retention department of any company that you call. So you can get a human by going to gethuman.com and finding out the, the number to go direct to a person. And... Uh, the one that I like particularly is um, Bulb. So if you are looking for a energy company that does super, super cheap energy and has a great app, that means you could get full overview of, um, of where you're at, then I would recommend Bulb. And if you use my referral link, then you will get £50 off. So I'm going to I'm going to include that here. There we go. bulb.co.uk 
forward slash refer forward slash Yusuf. Right. Purchases. So as I mentioned, Facebook Marketplace is great for buying and selling stuff, things that you have no more value for. You can always um, recover some value for it. Secondhand cars, no one has any business buying a, a new car because it's vastly overpriced and that's why they lease out cars because they just can't shift them off the forecourt so they have to lease them so that they get some use when they drop all the sale value and then people buy them. So secondhand cars, look for staff and student discounts. Remember to use them. I often forget to use my NHS discount and it is such a, um, a great tool because most restaurants give you 20% off, for example. Quidco.com, another great one. And make sure that you are on the best deal that you can find for cashback credit cards. And the specific one depends on where you spend most of your money and whether you travel a lot and whether air miles would be more useful to you than cashback. Um, but take a look and uh, on moneysavingexpert.com. That will give you some good guidance on that stuff. Okay, currency arbitrage as well. So if you are traveling or if you're working away, you could work in the Philippines, but on British salary, for example, and you get a great standard of living. When I was in Thailand, there were quite a few people that were working for like Canadian companies and they were earning salary in Canadian dollars and spending it in Chiang Mai in Thailand. And it just afforded them a great lifestyle, great house. Um, they could do, you know, they could eat and drink out wherever they wanted. And it generally just meant that they had a great time. So that's something to consider. That's currency arbitrage. Savings. Okay. So we've covered income, we've covered expenses or so outgoings. Now on to savings. Now remember the goal is always capital growth with savings. So with your income, the goal is to cover your daily expenses and build up capital growth so that you can overcome financial gravity. So this is where you start to build up that, that monster of a savings account. Now you can build this actively or passively. Actively is trading essentially. So this can either be done through forex trading or side hustle but with forex trading you need to learn how to make money in a rising or a falling market remember how i mentioned before about pensions and saying that pensions are not that they're mandated often to only be long so they only can buy that means that you will not be able to make money in a falling market with a company pension and this is why i strongly advise you do not outsource your pension to some dickhead and you do it yourself or you at least set up your own and see that you can make a better return than your pension provider. There's also semi-active and passive, which I'm going to cover. Now, passive investments. So the first thing that you should invest in is yourself. Coaching, books, seminars, you will always, always get a return on investing in yourself because you are the thing that you have to carry around all the time. Investing in your house, houses are temporary. Houses will, will eventually... Um, eventually fall down, they'll eventually uh, devalue, whatever it is, but you are the thing that constantly grows and you are your biggest asset. And there is no seminar, book, coaching, any kind of cost like that, that I have regretted paying for because they always pay off multiple times over in terms of return for you. So I can't encourage you enough to invest in yourself. And the fact that you're in this group, the fact that you're doing that is one of those examples of investing in yourself and you will get a return on your physique, on your finances, all of that. 
pension. So when I talk about pension here, I mean your own private pension that you're managing. So 10 up to 40% of your net income can be directed into there, depending on how high your income is and how quickly you want to retire, how soon you want that financial freedom and what your pain tolerance is. I saved 75% of my net income when I was in, um, when I was working in finance and that really helps me to pay through my student uh, fees over the last few years. If I hadn't done that, I would have been pretty scuppered. Um, but that was just, that was a temporary measure. I really just stiffed it for a year when I, I had to do that and I had no other choice. Um, risk reward. So when you are younger, you want to take more risk and usually risk and reward are on a, um, they are associated with each other. So a high risk investment also means a high potential payoff. And if you, even if you do lose it, um, by taking high risk investment strategies when you're young, it doesn't matter because you can build it back up again. But if you do it when you're older, you really are screwed. So front load your saving, front load your risk and experience the power of compounding. So we have a example here. Can you see that? So this is, an, this is a comparison. If you start saving in your 20s compared to in when you're 35 or when you're 40, there is such a difference. So this is starting saving at 25, the purple line. You can see as it goes up, um, you go from, you go up to 450 grand. Uh, I don't know what the, the amount that they're putting in uh, monthly is there, but the same amount by the time you're 65, if you start saving just 10 years later, is half. And at 40, which is only five years later, even if you save double the amount, you still don't even reach if you'd started saving at 25. That's pretty frightening. So compounded interest is so powerful and it's something to really bear in mind. So where were we? Passive, so charity and philanthropic work. I think this is important to have in your um, savings at some point or, or in, because, you know, karmically it will come back to you. But also if you just have it as something that's automated and it means that every month there is some money going towards something charitable, that's you covered. You don't have to think about it anymore and um, those things will also build up and um, it offsets some of the internal subconscious sense that some people have, which is money is the root of all evil and, oh, I can't make money because blah, 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 and some people are starving in the world. If you cover that and you, you're giving a honest amount of money to some good cause, then that's going to be beneficial all around and help you to get out of that mindset. So we are coming towards the end, guys. Well done for bearing with us. So examples, high risk trading, high risk investments would include small companies, venture capital trusts and business loans. So you can set your risk appetite with all of these so best invest nutmeg and funding circle. The one I would recommend is Nutmeg um, for long-term investments. So that is robo-investing, so low fees, and allows you to build up a um, portfolio of, of either government and corporate bonds or equities, so indices and stocks. And you can choose the size of company and all that just along a slider of risk appetite. Um, funding Circle is a business-to-business -business loan or a consumer-to-business loan. Um, they can produce returns of uh, up to 9%. And then also cryptocurrency is really big at the moment. I didn't even want to write this down, but I feel like it's something people are going to ask about a lot. Just be careful with cryptocurrency. 
as far as I'm concerned, it's speculation, it's gambling. You can play with it if you want. People have made money with it. People have made money gambling. But it's not like it's uh, necessarily a good thing. And I don't think anyone's going to be able to predict the future of cryptocurrency. But it's in there. Trading. Trading is something that you can do. And you, if you are mathematically minded, you can do this systematically and make a decent return for yourself. But it requires a psychopathic level of patience and emotional stability to be able to make money from trading. So don't underestimate um, the level of emotional stability that you need. If you want to get started with trading, download Awanda. It's, there's a desktop version, Android, iPhone, all of that. And you can get a practice account. Play with the practice account, but don't be a dick as well. Like, Make sure when you're playing with it, you're using amounts of money that you would actually trade. Don't just be like, oh, I'm just going to go put a hundred grand on this and oh look I made I made some money so I'm a genius because you wouldn't have done that in real life so then it doesn't carry over to is that a realistic return that you could have made in real life or not other examples so low risk um, investments would be corporate bonds which will compound in interest as long as you don't withdraw the dividend um, large firms so large companies real estate investment trusts these allow you to get exposure to property without having to buy a property so that's pretty cool you don't then have to go and fix the plumbing or go and get the radiator replaced or any of that stuff because you're getting the returns of property without all the bullshit index funds so i would highly recommend an index fund you can get an etf which is an exchange traded fund much better than a mutual fund um, ETFs are cheaper, so they charge lower fees, and there's no disadvantage to getting one of them over just um, getting a, a mutual fund. Uh, so highly recommended. Nutmeg operates on ETFs. So uh, other companies involve BlackRock, which is the company I used to work for, and Vanguard. So um, these are some things that you can do, and they give you exposure to um, the top companies in the world. So the S&P 500 is the top performing 500 American companies as rated by Standard & Poor. So that gives you access to the returns that the American stock market makes for very cheap. Okay. No questions so far still. Ah, Nikki. Hello. Um, right. Next thing is Monzo. So I said I would mention this bank. Um, this is a an app-only bank or an iPhone-only bank. I've just set up an account with them. Um, I'm, they, they seem pretty good so far. It's all very instant. You can direct things into pots, and uh, also you can round up purchases. So anytime you make a purchase, it'll automatically round up that to the nearest pound or nearest dollar and put that remainder into a savings account for you so you build up money on its own. So... It's pretty good. Um, you can send money to friends through like airdrop as well, and it gives you a contactless card. And you get statistics on how your money is being spent. So I would definitely recommend signing up with one of them, if, especially if you're with a shit bank, because um, having oversight over that will help you to manage your finances and not have to worry about getting you need a budget or anything like that. And also to let you see the um, to let you set up the automated side of your bank so what i what i mentioned earlier about where is it where is it the ramit seti thing this 
So you can set this up with Monzo quite easily. Okay, um, if you're not with Monzo, um, there are other banks that have started offering this kind of service. Santander do it, so they do something called Santander Wallet that gives you a breakdown as well of your um, monthly card spend and whether it, and it automatically picks up as well whether it was for a flight or for food or whatever as well. So all pretty good. Now we talked about compound interest. It's a frightening thing and that's why compound interest can work very hard for you or against you because imagine if this was debt rather than savings and these graphs would would apply exactly the same way if it were a um, amount if it was your mortgage for example right there we go so finally reading and mentors now reading is key for this stuff but um, luckily we are in a position where we have access to Amazon we have access to libraries of, of books of entire life life's worth of people's wisdom and experience that can be condensed into something that you can carry around so take advantage of that look at the people that you want to emulate and um, I can't encourage you enough to read their books and re read about what they they have to offer with this stuff for specific people to follow trading so for FX which is the most popular Jarrett Davis is the man um, bear in mind it is not simple stuff neither of these guys actually <laughs> so Jarrett Davis or Anton Creel they have their own courses they have free content as well and um, they will give you a great insight into how to make money with FX trading and, and portfolio management, so equities and commodities and so on. Um, it's a bit of an undertaking. You will need time, attention and um, effort to be directed towards these to make some money with them. But um, the reward is that you can then make money without any kind of um, physical thing that you have to sell and it's a replicable skill that you can just leave running in the background once you've got the processes in place. So for portfolio management, Anton Creel is the man. I've bought both of these guys' courses, and as I say, investing in myself has always, always paid off, and both of these guys have um, given so much more value um, than the cost of their courses themselves. For cash flow, look at Robert Kiyosaki. So he's the guy who came up with the quadrant of cash flow, the um, self-employed employee, business owner and investor. And also Dan Lok. Um, Dan Lok has a free book called Fuck You Money. Um, that's 300 pages and it's for free. So you can download that as well if you're interested on um, in kind of overview of, of cash flow and personal finances. And for running a business, um, now, for running a business, propane business, the the arm of our um, of our business is actually the synthesis of everything that we've learned, and it will give you a um, a clear methodical process, very much like our fitness um, approach is, towards establishing yourself in an online business, whether it's personal training or offering any kind of information product. Um, we have we go through all of the specific tools, frameworks, sales methods. Um, content generation, website creation, Facebook ads, everything is all included in Propane Business as a course in its own to save you the time of having to scramble around looking for different sources. Um, and also a lot of the experience that we've had along the way from scaling Propane from nothing up to um, a six-figure business over the years. So that's something that um, you can you can check out and if you're interested and you're serious about um, setting up 
with um, some kind of side hustle, then our propane business course is uh, is definitely recommended. And yeah, you're probably thinking like, oh, well, you would say that because it's your course. But um, if I knew of anything better, then I would have built it into propane business rather than just, uh, or I would have advertised their course instead. Business principles, great book is E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. Um, Gerber, not Garber. So that's well worth reading. I've uh, I've not read the full book actually, just um, some excerpts from it and the summaries. But the principle is um, it's pretty simple and it's it's very good to very good perspective shift. Tim Ferriss. So I have read this guy's book, Four Hour Work Week. Very very good. It's iconic. Um, there's a lot of little hacks and stuff in there, and that's more about setting up an online business for drop shipping. Ramit Sethi as well. So he's the one who came up with the automated finance system. Uh, and he's got some other stuff as well. His website is called IWillTeachYouToBeRich.com. Um, dropshipping. So James Holt is the man for that. Dropshipping. I mean, James Holt is 19 years old. It's ridiculous. So that's somebody who, um, for how, for what he's achieved at his age, is very impressive. And then a bunch of other people as well. So for marketing. These are all people to what to look out for. Russell Brunson, particularly, he's the owner of ClickFunnels. Paul Mort, Brendan Bouchard, Ben Settle, Dan Henry, Nate Schmidt, again, another young um, prodigy. Uh, Phil Lerney, Nicholas Kuzmich for Facebook ads, and Stephen Craven for Facebook ads as well. So, phew, that is it. That is all of the personal finance 101 tips here. Guys, I'm very keen to hear your thoughts. Um, not many people are watching this live, so... Um, I assume you will see this at the end of the uh, at the end of the working day, but that is it for today. So, in summary, make sure you can overcome your financial gravity with the principles in this. Review your income, review your expenses, review your savings, and make sure you know where you're going. Take advantage of the the power of compound interest. Don't make any of these dickhead mistakes, and um, make sure that you have got some clear stats for where your money is going and start taking ownership over your investments and over your life and it will massively massively pay off okay guys signing out speak very soon